So as I shared with the kids, one of the, one of the great purposes of the plant we call a tumbleweed, which is actually a lot of different plants, I didn't know this, like about 20 different plants that can be, that can be considered a tumbleweed, is to live to die. Like the purpose of it is to live that it might, that through its death it multiplies spreading the seeds of new life wherever it goes. And tonight we consider the fact that Jesus lived to die. You know, Jesus lived an inspiring, beautiful, loving life. He taught in many ways that inspire people today. Even those who do not profess faith in Jesus, his teaching still inspires people today. He did miracles that released people from sickness, from possession of evil spirits, and even death. He fed those who were hungry, turned water into wine to extend the wedding feast, walked on the water, calmed the sea. Yet he did all of that with one purpose in mind. He lived to die. So let's read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words to his friend Timothy. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that he lived to die, that we might never die and live forever. Lord, we pray that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Amen. So in our text this evening, we want to just look at the fact that Jesus lived to die. First, that he lived. Paul writes these words in verse 15, the saint is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world. Jesus came into the world, Paul says. He reminds Timothy of this. He reminds us. He didn't just show up, right? He just didn't like, you know, you know, beam himself down from heaven. He didn't just like, you know, appear. He came into the world. This phrase reminds us that he didn't just show up, but he came into the world like we all come into the world. He was born. He physically, bodily grew. He grew spiritually. He grew mentally. He went through stages of life. He had life experiences. He played as a little boy. He learned a trade in his youth to support himself and his family. He studied scripture he went to synagogue. He traveled to Jerusalem for Passover. Jesus lived. 
coming into the world, he lived like you and me. Jesus came into the world to live. He lived a perfect, sinless life, keeping the law perfectly and fully. John chapter 3, verse 16 reminds us of this reality that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world to live. So Jesus lived like us, but just as importantly as he lived like us, he lived for us. He lived for us that he might die for us. Jesus lived to die. Verse 15, he came into the world, Paul says, to save sinners. This was the mission of Jesus, that he would die to do it. In fact, it wasn't that death was the last resort. It wasn't like, well, I've tried everything else. You know, man, I've walked on water. I've turned water into wine. I've done all these miracles, healing people and stuff, and they still don't get it. I guess I'm going to have to die. Nope, Jesus, it wasn't like a last resort. It wasn't the last thing on his list. It wasn't like, all right, I'm going to try all these other things. And, you know, okay, well, that didn't work. So, okay, now I'm going to die. No, that was Jesus's plan That was the plan of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. His death was not the last resort. His death was the way to save sinners. By being the one and only true sacrifice for sin, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 7 reminds us, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. In Ephesians 5, verse 2, Paul again writes to the Ephesians and to us, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And Jesus himself in Matthew 20, 28 said that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Right? Jesus' mission was to die. His mission was to save sinners, and by and to save sinners, he came, he had to die. And Paul reminds us who this death is for, right? It's he Jesus lived to die, and he died for whom Paul says for he himself as one of the foremost, as the foremost. Paul knew who he had been and what he was and what he continued to be in himself. His knowledge even increased with the years as he understood his heart even more and more than at first. Paul understood in his saying this that he himself saw himself as the greatest of sinners. While we could argue and and have, you know, an argument about, okay, well, Paul, I don't know if you were the greatest of sinners, 
But what Paul is saying is he understood the depth of human capacity for sin. He understood from his own experience how much he had transgressed the law, how much he had done as an opponent of the early church. This is the very soul of the gospel that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, Paul says. This is the awareness of a heart that has been known the grace of Jesus Christ. And if God could do this for a man like Paul, Paul's saying, if God could do this for a man like me, who put Christian believers in prison, who cast votes for their deaths, a man who provided, if you want to talk about the, the prototype of the Inquisition, a, a master of religious terror, terrorism, if that is who God in Christ Jesus could save, Paul's saying there's hope for everybody else. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. There is hope for all of us. Paul is, in a sense, calling to us across the centuries, don't despair. He saved me, the worst of sinners, a religious terrorist who persecuted Christ himself. He can certainly save you. This verse that we are in this evening is said to have inaugurated the English Reformation because of its effect upon Thomas Bliney, the early Reformation martyr in England. Thomas Bliney was known as Little Bliney because he was little. Uh, he was born in 1495, and because he enjoyed uh, scholarly pursuits, he studied law at Cambridge, became a fellow at Trinity Hall in 1520. But neither this study of law or his subsequent ordination in the church brought him peace. He then began to read the Latin translation of Erasmus's Greek New Testament, and as Bi uh, uh, Bliny described what happened to him in that moment when he came to this passage, he said, I chanced upon this sentence of St. Paul, O oh, sweet and comfortable sentence to my soul. In 1 Timothy 1, 17, is a true, 1, 15 through 17, is a true saying worthy of all men to be embraced, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief and principal. This one sentence, through God's instruction and inward working, did so exhilarate my heart, being before wounded with the guilt of my sins and being almost in despair, that even immediately I seemed unto myself inwardly to feel a marvelous comfort and quietness, insomuch that my bruised bones leaped for joy. After this, the scripture began to be more pleasant unto me than the honey or the honeycomb. Thomas Bliney was transformed by these words, reminding him that he himself felt as if he were the foremost sinner. If it was true for Paul, it was true for him. 
Paul was absolutely convinced of the truth of his words. Christ Jesus' power and his eagerness to save anyone who turned to him both informed and drove Paul's missionary heart. Paul believed this with his whole being. There was no doubt in his mind. There was no doubt because he knew Jesus' atoning death is sufficient. He knew that because when he met the Savior, Jesus gave his righteousness to him. And as a result, Paul knew by experience the mercy, grace, love, faith, and the apostleship that was given to him. And he was the worst. And this conviction should be ours as well, brothers and sisters. This is the reality that drives us. God has saved me. God has saved you. And if he can do that in our lives, like Paul, we can say he can do that for anybody. Paul has emphasized, leading up to this, the work of God in personal and intimate terms of God's mercy, his grace, and patience. And because of this, because of Paul understanding this intimate way in which God has shown his mercy and grace and patience in his life, he erupts in the, a doxology of praise in awesome transcendent terms. And this is because when Paul considers what God has done, he uses the most extraordinary terms that he can think of. He rejoices to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the response of the one who has known and received the hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the hope that John Newton, the former slave trader, understood in his life. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Such amazing grace was on display in John Newton's life. He, like Paul, and like Thomas Bliney, understood themselves to be the foremost of sinners. Found confirmation in what Paul had known, that the offer of life-changing grace is for all who respond in faith to Jesus Christ. And in knowing that grace and that mercy, John Newton wrote the words that we so well know. Knowing that he himself, the foremost, was saved by Jesus Christ. He penned these words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. 
How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Number one sinners like you and me. It is all by his grace. If you have not already come, come to Jesus now. If you've already come, come to Jesus again and again and again. Come to the table that he has placed before us, the table of his grace spread before us, the table of his grace to remind us anew that Jesus, that he lived, that he might die for you and for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for your son Jesus, that he lived to die, that we might never die, that we might live forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.